0: Welcome to Newsworthy with Norrisworthy. Get ready for some awesome. All right, friends, before we get to Brad Lominick, the guy who ran Catalyst for a decade. Catalyst, you know, like the biggest Christian conference in the world. I don't know if it's a world, but it, it's really good. I've been in this great conference. Uh, and so I start off offending him by talking about how I think leadership books are terrible. So we talk about his book on leadership, but before we get to that, let me tell you about Podbean. I would never say Podbean's terrible Because they're not They're great I've used them for many years And I love them And so if you've got a message You want to get out If you want teachings You want to share If you've got a podcast That you need to start You go to podbean.com and get started. They're your all-in-one podcast hosting and publishing provider. So you post to Podbean. They send it to iTunes, wherever you want to send it to. They'll take care of it for you. Super easy, super affordable. And they make it easy. And now with their new mobile app, it gets even easier. You can record and publish directly from your phone. Amazing. Podbean.com will take care of you. Now, to Brad. All right, friends. Welcome back to the show. Today we have from Atlanta, Georgia, Brad. I didn't even lo- figure out how to say your last name. Lomanick? Loman? That's close. Yeah, that's I
1: mean it that sounds good to me. Lomanick. It's either it's either it's either Lomanick. Nah. Or or the Longo Lomanick.
0: What do you typically say?
1: I would typically say Lomanick. Well, but I'm not even sure I, I'm not even sure I say it right. Luke. You know, so- I mean, it, it's one of those things that, you know, you, you get a name and then you are you just basically pronounce it like your parents did, but I'm not sure they
0: were ever correct. Well, my wife told me that I say my last name wrong. and How's, how's that? I don't know. I say Norsworthy, and she says, you just say it wrong. I'm like, I don't know how it works. Anyway, I'll just... Well, how else can you say it? How else can you say Norsworthy? Norsworthy? I don't know. Like, I, am I just to roll the R? <laughs> I, I don't know, but... Norsworthy. Yeah, that sounds... <laughs> That sounds good. You know what I discovered by reading the acknowledgments at the back of your book is that we have a mutual friend, Mr. That? Merritt. Jonathan. Oh, Jonathan Merritt. Merritt. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So he... Uh,
1: John- Jonathan is a skillful, 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 very skillful writer.
0: I, I think you're... Ac- that's a very accurate assessment. And yeah. I... So I messaged him last night, and I said, hey, I didn't realize you're friends with Brad. I didn't try to say your last name, but... <clears throat> I said, is he going to be good? He goes, oh, yeah, you guys will have a good time. I said, great, this is perfect because I have an issue that I feel like you can solve this for me. Oh, I like this. I like where you And the issue is, so I've done 250 plus, 60 plus podcast episodes, and I've never done a book about leadership before. Never have. And
1: Why is that? Is that on purpose or just by accident
0: or... So I was at, uh, we had a, uh, an elder retreat, so I'm a pastor at a church, and so the elder retreat, um, we had our elders there, staff was there, and so I started talking, first of all, about you know, the way of Jesus' is servanthood and washing feet and blah, 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 and I might have said something about leadership that we, you know, we're obsessed with leadership and Jesus obsessed with servanthood. I don't know, something like that, and so my executive pastor I work with, he said, well, I guess we know Luke doesn't like leadership, and I don't feel like it's that I don't, it's not like I don't like leadership, it's that, okay, uh, are you familiar with the Enneagram? Sure. Sure. Yeah. Um, Do you you know what number you are? Three. Yeah, okay. So in, in my darkest moments, I think leadership books are unhealthy threes trying to rationalize themselves to the world. Oh so man. but I feel like you
1: can tweet, I, I want to tweet that out and, and, and acknowledge you saying that.
0: <laughs> I, but I, like I got faith, like like uh, Jonathan has spoke highly of you. I read I, almost all your book, I didn't read the last little bit, but almost all of it, and I feel like you can you can fix this and help me to, to see leadership differently. So save my soul, please.
1: Well, I, here, here's where I think you're probably accurate with your approach to leadership which many people would say it is all about like getting to the place of power or getting to a place, of hierarchical position or of title or the corner office or, you know, like chasing after chasing after whatever you feel like makes you exclusive or gets you above everyone else. And that is true. I mean, a lot of places like leadership uh, would, would equal that Um, to, I think to a new generation, especially like I'll say me and you both, I'm probably a little older than you are, but, um, in terms of the next generation younger leaders, I think leadership is actually a is, is not a is not a term or a word that they want to be associated with because we've watched so many people in our generation who are in place of leadership mm-hmm. totally blow it. Yeah. I mean, we could we could probably talk for for a while about certain leaders in in our culture right now who who are not the healthy definition of or the healthy yeah. caricature of a leader. So I think influence is a way better word. I think the idea of, um, like you're saying, servanthood and taking the place of, of the lowly in order to um, allow other people to flourish, you know, that's, that's all like appropriate ways to see leadership. But, um, you know, I worked for John Maxwell for a bunch of years and John said it way back when, and I think it's still true that leadership is influence. So if you look at it that way, it's not about title. It's not about hierarchy. It's not about position. It's not about corner office. It's about who do I have influence over? Mm -hmm. So as a parent, sure, you're a leader as a, as a son or daughter, as a neighbor, as a, as a student with other in in a classroom with other students, you know, wherever you roam, Mm -hmm. you're, you have influence over people. And that is to me, the definition of what leadership is Mm -hmm. is that you're actually influencing people for better or worse. And, it doesn't mean you have to have tons of people following you. Uh, it doesn't mean you have to be the the one who has the longest tooth, meaning that you're the oldest. Um, that, you know That's that's getting thrown out today. So there's lots of new things, I think, about this idea of leadership that are different. But I would agree with you, Luke. Like The term leadership to you and your generation and those even younger, there is a lot of people out there who look at that and go, I don't want to be a leader. If – if being a leader means that I look like the leaders that I've watched growing mm-hmm. up, I'm yeah. out.
0: Okay, on the back of your book, the uh, the first endorsement is Jim Collins, who, good to great, built to last. Uh, I, I've read his stuff, and I think some of it's extremely, very helpful. The I, I even referenced just a few days ago the line about uh, w- one of the first principles to do is to get the right people on the bus. And I think that's a yep. great, like yeah. it, very helpful, like proverbial type wisdom of, you know, And I think that's the best of what leadership influence can do, like give you proverbs that help get you going uh, in the right direction. Mm -hmm. But sometimes I struggle with, okay, Jim Collins is writing from uh, the the stuff I've read of his. I don't feel like he's saying I'm a Jesus person and this is influenced by my faith. Is that fair to say? You you know him, I'm assuming. No, that would be
1: fair. Yeah, I would say he's on a spiritual journey, but he definitely would call himself a follower of Jesus. Yeah, that's for sure. By
0: no means does that somehow devalue the wisdom of what he said. Not at all. Yeah. But wouldn't you assume that the type of leadership that comes from someone who's a Jesus person would somehow have to look substantially different because the way of Jesus undoes what typical power has always been thought to be?
1: No question. Absolutely. And that's where the paradox Mm -hmm. is for most of us is we we see people who follow Jesus and it feels like, whether it's true or not, but it feels like a lot of those folks are actually um, not modeling the ways of Jesus and the way they approach Mm -hmm. what they're leading or how they steward what they've been given or are they taking a position of being being lowly or being a servant or the first shall be last. And I mean, all the things of Scripture... Are really hard to do as a leader because as soon as you get in a place where you have power, or you have any influence, or you have rule over people, or you you know whatever that is, it doesn't matter what what industry it's in. As soon as you're in that place, it is it is a strong temptation to to um, to use it for your own gain, right? That that is one of the that is one of the most toxic things that um that pulls leaders is that as soon as you're giving some given something to steward and you have you have you have a sense of authority over people that your natural tendency is to use that for your advantage or to your Mm -hmm. gain um and it's it doesn't matter if you're a coach it doesn't matter if you're a teacher a principal a pastor a politician a ceo i mean in every one of those places the the natural pull is always going to be towards i'm going to get mine i'm going to I'm going to um, build these this system here in order to to basically accomplish what I want to accomplish. I'm going to I'm going to create the the metrics where I win. Uh, you know, all those things are true. And so finding people who actually live out the model of Jesus and the and the leadership perspective of Jesus is really difficult sometimes, even in places where where you would go, well gosh, does didn't, didn't it seem normal that a pastor yeah. Would, would would actually live this way well it's not always yeah. true you know it's just it, the, it but i think that's the that's the thing we need to be aspiring mm-hmm. towards as any type of of influencer is is well what is how how much are you comparing and now like modeling and actually living up to the leadership um i think the 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 leadership standard that jesus yeah. set would be the best way yeah, to yeah i agree
0: it. that's that's good so you think pastors would would be Christian because we talk about Christ every day, but we have struggles. Like our humanity is displayed in some of the decisions that we make and it's not always good. And so we have the the aggrandizement influence. Like we want to get bigger and more known and more spotlight and bigger platform. And that's when, why when I found the news about the Village Church in the Dallas area, Matt Chandler's a pastor, huge celebrity, rock star speaker, one of the two best speakers I've ever been around. Great deal of respect for my... Calvinist friend, Matt Chandler. But when I I found that they were kind of taking all their little franchises and saying, no, y'all are going to be independent. Not that there's anything wrong with the satellite model. I'm not saying that you have to be arrogant to to have a church that has a lot of campuses. But it seems like that's a move of going, I could make my domain bigger, but instead I'm making it smaller by letting these things go out. And I think that's like a really Christ-like kind of move. Not that if you do have campuses that you're not being Christ-like. I'm just saying that's the kind of countercultural move that seems to be uh symptomatic of the Jesus movement. Yes, uh, I agree. Okay, so l- l- let me go to this quote that you have from Peter Drucker who was he like a Harvard business school guy or some
1: uh, he well, he's probably connected at some point with that, but he's kind of the what would be considered the father of modern management. That's that's our Or grandfather. Yeah,
0: that was my other option. I didn't know that, but I'm going to pretend like I did. Yeah. Here's the quote: "Effective leadership is not about making speeches or being liked. Leadership is defined by results, not attributes." Okay, so leadership is about the, the results you get. Now you have this. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is a cute little story about how your coworkers used to call you by your name backwards. Are, yeah. You know. Okay. Tell the story and then we'll jump into it.
1: Yeah. Well, it, so here's the premise. You know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a pretty ambitious guy. Um, I I, I want to, you know, I'm ENTJ. I'm a, I'm a go-getter. I'm focused and ambition. As, as two of my top strengths. I, I'm just a classic. I want to accomplish mm-hmm. things. And the, the um, you know, so I was leading Dallas for a bunch of years, which some of your, in your community probably familiar with Catalyst, you know, big yeah, conferences and working with John Maxwell and doing, you know, gathering thousands and thousands of leaders. Let
0: me interrupt. So Let me interrupt. It's not just a big gathering. It was the, the primo speaking event for speakers. It was the biggest conference. Yeah, so it was the conference of all conferences, just in case people have never heard of it. Carry on.
1: Yes, thank you. Yeah, that's hard that's yeah. to say. Um, so, you know, we're up into the right. We're, we're growing we're, um we're having lots of impact, where all of, all of the metrics are, we're hitting record, we're, we're gathering more leaders than we've ever, we ever have. But here was the premise, and here was the, the problem, is as it was growing, I was becoming um, dysfunctional in my own leadership, mm-hmm. I, in the sense that I was not helping people closest to me flourish and, and thrive. So here we are healthy as an organization, but I was becoming unhealthy as a leader and and leading something was supposed to be all about, you know, effective leadership. And so that's the, that's the backstory. We we went to Dave and Buster's to, uh, you know, have a celebration day, play ski ball, hoop, shoot, all that stuff. And the team, we got a bunch of tickets, tickets you get when you play those games at Dave and Buster's. And they go to the, they go to the store at Dave and Buster's and they buy a present for me, actually two presents. One was that, and, I, and they bring it to me, you know, after we're done. And I said, hey, this is for you, Brad. Mm-hmm. Fearless leader. We, we love you so much. And and I look inside these, this bag, and there's two dolls. And one doll is an angel. And the other doll is Satan. Which, why does Dave & Buster have angel and Satan dolls, Got it. At, you know, in their store? Yeah, just that, in
0: case. You never know who the audience is, you know?
1: You never know who's going to be a yeah, exactly. doll, doll um, after, after, after playing <laughs> skee-ball. So, you know, I... It, and they said Th- those are for you, and I said, "Well, okay, what does this mean?" And they said, "Well, the angel doll represents the Brad we love, and the Satan doll represents Darb." I'm like, "Well, who's DARP? I said, "That's you. That's your that's that's your evil mm-hmm. twin." I'm like, "Well, what does DARP mean?" And they said, "That's your name backwards. We've been calling you that for <laughs> a year because because we had to create some kind of back channel." you know, secret communication to basically like know when Darb was Mm -hmm. in the office. And when Darb was around, man, we didn't want to be around Darb because he's mean. He's, he's, he's short tempered. He, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't help us have a great day in the office. Um, you're going to get your head cut off around (laughs) Darb. And here I was again, I'm leading this, you know, this leadership organization and, and we're crushing it, but yet I was becoming Darb. And it was just a great reminder of, you know what, if if you're a leader and the people closest to you aren't getting the best yeah. of you and that you're not helping them flourish, then your your leadership scorecard is yeah. an F. Even if your organization is, is crushing it and, and growing and healthy, you can be a bad leader, but have a healthy organization. So that was the story, and that yeah. was just a huge reminder yeah. for me. That's what leadership. about. I, I think about.
0: that's a, it's a great metaphor because in Drucker's quote, leadership is about results. And y- you can be leading and getting results going up and to the right, as you said, um, even if there was a dysfunction I- inside of your own soul. Like e- every leader, I have dysfunction in my soul. And like you said, there's dysfunction going on while this is being successful. Some might say the dysfunction was that, you know, like you never invited me to speak, but um, I'm not going to bring that up. Exactly. But y- <laughs> that was a bad joke. That was bad. Um, <laughs> that was good, man. Yeah, thank well you. Well played, well the, played. But here's an interesting thing. You can be getting results and having this sense of dysfunction internally, but that doesn't affect the results that you're creating. And you, okay, I don't know how to say this politely. In the book, you have quotes about um, being a good person. I'm trying to leave this as ambiguous as possible so I don't call out people by name. But you have a couple people in here who were the experts that have since um, had to resign post because of substantial yeah, dysfunction. First of all, how do you, how, how does Correct. that make you feel when the book's already out and, and they're quoted as like paragons and then how, first first of all, how do you feel about that?
1: Well, I don't, I don't feel happy about it and I'm actually I'm more mad and, and disappointed in those people mm-hmm. who are my friends. So um, now the other side of that is I'm, I'm mad at myself because I didn't kick them mm-hmm. in the pants and actually like, you know, try to lean in on some things that, I didn't know about, but yet I think that's part of the role of a community. And part of, of being a good friend is actually to call people out when you see something. So, you know, that's a whole nother yeah. conversation, but yes, it is frustrating. I mean, everybody takes the risk when you highlight someone as a example of something you're, you're risking that, you know, at some point they, they may not be the best example of it. So that happens yeah, yeah. with all of us, that's but man, it, I'll tell you this, though, just to your point, like authenticity, Mm -hmm. I mean, going back to going back to how do you how do you balance this this world of you're up in the right? You're you're trying to be healthy. You're trying to make make the organization about helping people flourish. But I promise you, if you're not authentic today as a leader and and vulnerable and self-aware, then you're going to have a real hard time impacting anybody because nobody will put up with that anymore. Nobody. Nobody wants to be around somebody who is either false, humble, because that's just as bad, or they're arrogant, or they are they live in reality deprivation. Um, so, you know, if, if you're struggling with something and you're wrestling with something, part of your job as a leader is to, is to allow your team and people around you to understand and be, be up to date and, and make sure that the worlds of your reality and their reality are congruent.
0: Yep. I loved your the emphasis on listening to other people uh, letting people speak into your life, and I think some of the the stuff that I 'm probably reacting against, which you spoke of earlier, of the abuses of leadership that that maybe younger people, my generation, our generation don't want to have anything to do with is a kind of leadership that doesn't allow people to be honest with them and to talk about the emperor and their lack of clothes. And so I, I I really honor, like, I really value that. A couple other things that I really liked your emphasis on was one of the first ones was curiosity. Um, the importance of leaders continuing to learn. I, I I don't know if the the Hillsong story was in the section, but you told a great story about Joel and the guys from Hillsong United uh, at a conference. I'll I'll let you tell yeah. that story, but then we'll jump into curiosity.
1: Yeah, well, and and you know, if you if you know of Hillsong United, you know that you know they're they're sort of the cream of the crop and have been for a long yep. time in the in the worship band world. And the first time I met them was at a Catalyst West event when we had them play in two thousand eight or nine, some somewhere back eight or nine years ago. And they, you know, they they, they came in with a presence in a sense that they arrived and I, I never met these guys, but I, but I knew all about them. Their, their reputation preceded them. Um, and so I expected them to have sort of the same um, perspective and, and posture as most bands, which is they, they show up, they do their thing and then they go and take a nap mm-hmm. or they go and like, you know, play solitaire or get on their phone and don't pay attention, which yeah. is fine. It's not, no big deal. And they got done with their set, the, the opening set of the, of the conference, the first thing out of the, out of the, out of the gate. And I walked, um, after they were done, I walked back to, to talk to them. And I, I don't know what the reason was, but I walked in their room, which was really small. It was like a room for, you know, maybe four or five people. And there was like 20 mm-hmm. of them there. Cause they, you know, they travel in pack. They're yeah, like, Australians. Wolves. All those yeah. Australians. Uh, Kangaroos. They, and they all want to go to they all want to go to Walmart, by the way, for some reason. They're like, Mate, mate, can you can you get us a ride over to the Walmart? Jim. Yeah. Like, why? Why do you want to yeah. go to Walmart? But anyway, I walked in and they all were sitting in this small room with a very small monitor up in the corner of that room. And they're all they're all just quiet as they can be, listening to the to the teacher. And I don't remember who it was. It may, it was probably Andy Stanley because he kicked off most mm-hmm. events, most catalyst events. But every single one of them, from Joel down to the, you know, to the key grip, they all had their moleskins out or their phone and they were taking mm-hmm. notes. And I just thought, you know what? This is a great reminder that when you get to the top of the mountain, when you're when you're the you know the expert, when you're the the first place band, when you are the cream of the crop, you still have a lot to learn. And how many, how many events have these have, have they been at where they have listened to the same talk, probably, but yet they just had this posture? And nobody's watching. Nobody's paying attention. Nobody's tweeting about it. Nobody, nobody's writing a story because I'm walking in. you know I'm, yeah. They don't care. And, and I, I, I just noticed that. It was such a reminder to me of that's the posture I want to have. I always want to be somebody who has my skin out, and I'm curious, and I'm willing to learn, even if I've already heard it all or if I think yeah. I know it
0: all. I, I think that's such a great posture. You told another story. I, it might have been Andy. Uh, I, I call him Andy now because you do. I feel like I'm on the first name basis with him. When he was doing a, a three-person panel, Erwin McManus or someone else said something, and so he gets out a pad oh, yeah. of paper to... Oh, it was Maxwell, John Maxwell. Yeah. Oh, our, John Maxwell. our friend John. Yeah, John. Yes. John said that. Um, but like, that's a great posture. Like,
1: Johnny Boy, that's what we call him. We call him yeah, Johnny oh, okay,
0: Boy. Yeah, okay, yeah. I mean, I knew that. I knew that. I'm talking with him too. <laughs> but you loved seeing that. And I had a friend who was um, at a church uh, working in a, uh, uh, not the top of the food chain position, and the person at the top of the food chain, um, there was a moment when he just stopped learning, stopped reading books, stopped coming in and saying, hey, you guys need to read this. This is great. And the organization... Floundered once the leader stopped having that curiosity and the humility to continue to learn. And I, I, so I 100% agree with that. You also, um, yeah, you also talk a lot about discipline. And I think, like, the, the day in, the day out, the continual just hustle. I think a lot of people like the big spotlight. Why is it though that despite our obsession with the spotlight, that it's actually, Uh, in the dark and in the daily disciplines that people don't see that creates good leaders?
1: Well, I mean, that's first of all where your character and your, your sense of integrity and perseverance and all those things that don't feel sexy. That's where all that gets, gets Mm -hmm. developed. I mean, it's, it's where the, it's where the habits are formed. It's where the, the, the routine and the ritual and anything we, uh, you know, any, anybody who's ever done anything that's hard, Right. Uh, losing weight, stopping smoking, um, parenting, you know, like learning how to, or training for a marathon. I mean, anything that's hard. We we know this, that the early part of that training or even the race itself, man, we're excited. And the end of it, we're excited, but in the middle, man, it is hard. That That's where it's, that's where the discipline starts to show up and, and it, it, it builds, you know, muscle for you. So, that's the same with leadership. It's the same with, um, you know, the daily grind of moving something down the mm-hmm. field. And, and a lot of us are really good at starting stuff. We got tons of starters today. Everybody's starting something new. Oh, I got a new venture. I got a new Kickstarter campaign, you know, whatever it is. But I, I want to look at somebody and go, what have you yeah. finished? Like, what, what have you actually gotten done? What have you pushed across the finish line? And that's not just the big things. That's, you know, anybody listening to this that's young, and you're in a middle middle, you know, middle management position or lower in your organization, the best way for you to gain credibility and actually move up the full chain is to be disciplined in crushing whatever you're assigned mm-hmm. right now. And 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 go to your go to your boss or your manager or your leader and, and anticipate and say, Hey, I went ahead and did like four things that I I know just needed mm-hmm. to get done. Is that okay? And they're going you and you know, they're gonna crown you as the mm-hmm. golden boy or the golden woman because of the fact that you're, you're willing to um, just have a, have a posture and a perspective that says I'm looking around, looking for things to actually Mm -hmm. execute
0: on. Yeah, that's good. I 100% agree with that. I I think discipline, um, the the routines, the day in and day out, the, I don't know if you're Stephen Pressfield fan, but the guy who wrote the war of art, his idea of 500 words a day, just put your butt in the seat. The muse shows up and rewards those who continue to show up. I, I just, Every experience in my life. Yeah.
1: It's you, man. It's you. Look like you're, you're two hundred and sixty in yeah. and right podcast. Like you've you figured out how to do this well. But but why? Why did why have you gotten better? Why you know, because you were willing to be disciplined to do two hundred sixty episodes. Now
0: I reached the the, the pinnacle. I, I have you on here talking about the H three leadership. That's oh, the no pinnacle question. of it all. This is this yeah, is the yeah. mountaintop. <laughs> this is Everest. This is Everest right here, baby. Okay, so this is wh- Everest. You talk about hunger, you talk about ambition being something that naturally comes to you. You've got a a drive to get there. And and I can relate to that. I I get that. I get the idea. And I think, maybe I almost assume if you're a leader, then you have ambition. And this goes back to my previous theory, the darker theory, that all leadership books are Enneagram Uh 3s who are unhealthy, trying to make sense of, right? Um, Right. So that's naturally (laughs) going to be in there. How do you filter, this is godly, and this is the difference of, Christian leadership and traditional or non-Christian leader, whatever that means. um, How do you filter like the ambition that everyone has? Uh, My brother's in sales and he's got salesmen who work for him. And we were talking one time and he's like, you know, I always want my salesman to be in debt. I'm like, well, you're a terrible person. He goes, no, because that means they're going to be hungrier to go out and, and make money because they need to pay off debt. I'm like, well, Josh, that's because you're a terrible human being. That's not good for them. And what's best for them is for them to learn how to, like not be in debt and to be at peace with their finances. So, th- how mm. do you balance? Like y- you want to be hungry, but that's kind of like be content with what you have.
1: Yeah, it is. It's that tension between are you are you settled, are mm. you content, or are you satisfied? And and those are all kind of different. I would say this. I mean, it's a it's something that's really hard to manage, and I don't think anybody does it well. And I I, I don't necessarily think that all leaders are ambitious. Really. Because again, if we go back to the definition of leadership, true definition, yeah. Because if you if you think about well, what is in you know if it's, it's if it's about influence, then again, I'm if I'm influencing somebody, then I'm a leader. And 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 some of us are just we're, we're wired with more ambition than others. Um, it's the question is 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 are you pursuing? You got to go back to to the start and and realize there's a calling on each of us. There's a sense of purpose that, that is hardwired within us, that God's, you know, birth in us. And I think the ambition then comes with the pursuit hmm. of that. So if I'm pursuing my ambition based on my calling and understanding like, you know, my identity, my my calling and my assignment, and then that's really where my ambition lies. I think that's healthy. As well as this second part, which is is my is my ambition actually helping other people? Hmm. So if I can if I can see that the goal of it's the same thing with with the idea of well our leaders arrogant do do leaders struggle do ambitious leaders struggle struggle with ego absolutely every single leader I know every ambitious leader I know especially they struggle mm-hmm. with ego so how do you manage ego well you're you're humble well, well how do you do that Brad how do you stay humble well you make it about mm-hmm. others so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna crush it then I'm gonna have is I'm going to have the greatest outlet for my ambition than if it's all about other people benefiting from yeah. what I'm doing in a, in a good way, in a healthy way, you know, in a, in a, in a God honoring kingdom building way. So if, if I start thinking about it that way, then all of a sudden I have I look at somebody and go, yeah, and run with the race and like, be great at what you do. Just don't make it about yeah. yourself. Cause if it's, if it, all about you, then that's when it becomes really dangerous and really toxic and ambition starts to go out of control. And then you start developing all these, you know, systems and you start protecting yourself and you build, build these walls. And then, and that's when bad failure happens. It's when the moral crisis occurs. It's, you know, it's when you crash Mm. and burn.
0: You talked about the difference of identity and calling in the book. You talk about your calling is to influence influencers which as a preacher, I like the alliteration there. So well done. But how do you differentiate Mm. your, your calling and your identity?
1: Well, identity is unchanging. So, um, identity is, is, you know, you're a son or a daughter, you're a a husband or your wife. Um, you're, you're, you're in a location. Um, you're part of a family, um, a follower of Jesus. That's, that's your identity. Um, there is pieces of identity that 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 can feel like calling in a sense of well if we say well what about you know to know god and to make him known yeah i think i would argue that that's more identity than that's calling especially once you become a believer so for me calling then is is for the most part unchanging but can change meaning that you might have you know you might have a you might have a, a couple of different seasons of calling in your life but i think for most of us um, we might, we probably have one and calling is really the, it's answering the question of why am I here? So identity is, is answering the question of who am I? So identity is who calling is why. And then assignment is what? Yeah. So, and you, that's, what do I do?
0: Oh, You say that you've had, so three different kind of phases of your career. One, you were kind of doing like the cowboy thing on the ranch and yep. you're working. The next was in uh magazine kind of thing. It's like. Yeah,
1: magazine, management consulting. Yeah. yeah and then exactly. your
0: catalyst yeah. phase for 10 years. Yep. And then now you're yep. consulting as a, and yep. just speaking, advising. Yeah. Yeah. But you would say, even through those three different things, your calling of influencing influencers continued to exist. You, exactly. you saw that because when you're 20, early 20s, that, that calling came to your life. For many of us, yes. we don't have that sort of moment that we can filter through. I, honestly, I don't know the answer to the question of what is my calling. I know there's things that I'm passionate about and I'm like, this is kind of the lane I should stay in, but how would you help us figure out what our calling is or what lane we're supposed to be in?
1: Well, you know, calling many times comes from multiple assignments It start to show a pattern. Mm-hmm. So, you know, don't, don't feel like, and, and that's, the, that's the danger of, of people uh, early in their, in their life, mm-hmm. wrestling with calling. Because you look around and go, well, I feel like uh, I've got to got to make a statement now. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no, don't don't put that much pressure on it. You know, many times your twenties and even early thirties will start to you start to see a pattern. You start to see a phrase. You start to see something that connects the dots on your life. But you know, the, again, the calling, the the why am I here? You know, that's a that's a runway, or at least a you know a big riverbank size. sides that allow you to do lots of different things with your assignments. Yeah. Um, and, and a lot of us, we confuse assignment with calling.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So here's the, here's the hard part, though, as a pastor. So, you, you know, you might use the language, well, I was called to this church, this location, this church. Great. Now, what happens when you get called somewhere else? Is that, have you lost your calling? Mm-hmm. No, you haven't lost your calling because it was an assignment. It was an assignment that should reflect a calling on your life.
0: Yeah,
1: um, it, it wasn't calling. It's the same, same for me. Like if, if my calling was to lead catalyst, well, what happens when I don't leave it anymore? Am I done? Am I on the JV team? Hmm. No, it was just, it was an assignment. Um, so we got to give ourselves room with, with the calling phrase because it's, it's supposed to, it's supposed to be, you know, more of a vision statement in our life than it is the practical, what we do on a, you know, on a regular basis as a job. Yeah. And a lot of us as men, especially man, we, we have a hard time with, with these different areas because we, we start, it's, and here's where it's dangerous. Luke is when, when our assignment starts to wrap up in our identity,
0: yeah.
1: that's when it really gets dangerous
0: yeah.
1: because all of a sudden you, that's, I think that's why so many people go through midlife crisis
0: mm-hmm.
1: is because they finally sort of figure out what they're supposed to do with their life, but they can't change. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that answers your question uh, practically, but you know, ask your friends, like ask people who are closest to you. Um, look at the trends in your childhood. I think childhood reveals many times what calling should be or what it can be. Yeah. So for me, when I was when I was a kid, you know, like there were there were all these different expressions for me that I could see influencing influencers. You know, I, in a small town in Oklahoma, I was like I was motivated to like. You know, go hang out with the Chamber of Commerce. When I was ten, well, what is that all about? Like? Yeah, that's that's just that's a calling on my life. Like it's not it's not arrogant. It's not it's not weird. It's 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 the way I've been. Lying and it's the why statement for me. So. No.
0: And one question I know some Westover people are having. No, we didn't talk before the podcast about me leaving and going to a different church. Um, So Brad is just creating rumors that I will quickly (laughs) confront and say that truth is not actually a truth. That statement is false. There you go. go. So leaders get their identity wrapped up in their assignment. Leaders get their identity wrapped up in their accomplishment. I feel like that would be – if a leader typically is driven, has a lot of ambition – the ambitions being brought to fruition often becomes the biggest drug for them. And it seems like that's almost one of the first questions you're going to be dealing with when you're speaking to leaders is how do you not let marking that box on the checklist off as the greatest high for you? How do you not let that be the drug that so many of us run to? Well,
1: I mean, the biggest thing there is that um, we don't, we we have to let that be an outlet Mm -hmm. of, of, um, celebration, but it, it can't be the the ultimate goal. And, um, that's, that's again, so important that you understand what identity is. And then what does that mean? And from the standpoint of, of, well, okay, how do I be content in in who I am? And and am I ever going to be content in who I am? And, um, and that's where I really don't know, and I mean this with all sincerity. I'm, I don't know how how people who are stewarding a lot in the sense that they are, again, in places of influence, and they're not followers of Jesus. I don't know how they do it. I really don't, yeah. because the drug you're talking about is then basically free and available at all times. You know, I mean following Jesus gives us. It, it's it's like we have a um, you know a, a natural built-in break on the gas pedal. Yeah. because we keep going back to the premise of the Holy Spirit's going to, going to convict us. Um, we're, you know, because we are already in a relationship with God, like there's a natural reality that there's something bigger than me. And, but a lot of leaders who don't follow Jesus, like, they look around and go, I'm the center of the story.
0: Yeah.
1: So the reason I'm this, the story is because I've gotten here and therefore the goal here is then going to all be about me the center of the story forever yeah. and ever. Um, and I just don't know how they, people do it with with, with that lack of a, um, a reality that there's something bigger than me going on. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm, I I know this. I'm grateful that, that I follow Jesus because it's already hard enough.
0: Yeah. Well, I, I would say some of the spiritual practices that you highlight in the book, which help with that, uh, solitude, uh, daily spiritual practices, uh, contempl- contemplative time, scripture reading—that sort of stuff—they uh, all go back to identity. And I think those are some great suggestions you put in there. Um, one thing that you said in the book, which is easily the worst thing you said, is when you sp- you talked about Oklahoma football. Which that's clearly just dumb. Oh, come um, on, man. Yeah. No, that's just dumb. Um, as someone who lives in Austin, Texas, are you a, are you a Longhorn? I live in Austin, Texas, man. You think I would be able to keep this job? No, but there's. Yeah, I mean, sometimes. Well. I mean, sometimes Christians live in Russia. You know, like sometimes that could happen. I guess, but I right. am a Christian, and I live in basically Jerusalem, which is Austin, Texas. Um,
1: mm. Amen. Pick yeah,
0: Amen. Yeah. Um horns. Okay, one. Hey, by the way,
1: by the way, I did. By the way, I did. I did spend a day. In Austin, back in December with the University of Texas Athletic Department. What do you think about really? that? Oh, yeah. They brought me to, to talk about leadership and next generation. And, um, huh. and I did have to hold up I – I, I did actually hold up the hook and horse, Good. There it is. Which which was um, – I had to go wash my hands six times <laughs> afterwards because I just felt like it was so dirty. Uh, but I did, and I, I did – they did give me a, t- a shirt to mm-hmm. wear, which I put on, but quickly took off and burned. <laughs> After that, well, so, you, you know, but I did make I made progress. I made progress. You have
0: a shot to get into heaven now. I think God's like, well, you know, He screwed up a lot, but at least he had one moment of of goodness. One other moment of I'm, I'm on a journey. Yeah, on a journey. I I feel like if I say this to you, like it covers my bases. But I heard a sermon at Catalyst where Andy Stanley talked about uh, selling the birthright for a bowl of stew. The Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. It could have been. Um, I've used that so many times and I feel like I just need to confess it to you and then like I'm absolved of that because the first time I gave credit, yes. second time I said I heard it somewhere and the third is just like I went with it. Is that? Listen,
1: no, that that is actually like in the, that's in the handbook of, of all speakers
0: okay. and, and especially preachers. Yeah.
1: You're, you're actually like living out the premise of the three steps to make it your own.
0: Otherwise known as the three steps of plagiarism.
1: Basically, yeah. yeah, but at least you're, I mean, you're not just step one, you're you are just using it. I mean, you're given two other steps yeah. that do give yeah. credit.
0: Eh, well, okay, I, I feel absolved, and so thank you. Uh, okay, your book, H3 Leadership, Be Humble, Stay Hungry, Always Hustle. I feel like that's somehow related to the pro wrestler John Cena. I feel like he does something like that. <laughs> Is that true? Like, did you double check that? I, I didn't... Well,
1: who's Triple H by the way? Who who is the Oh, the that's a different
0: one. That is someone else. But yeah. I feel like those yeah. some of those are like John Cena stuff and I don't know enough about pro wrestling to fully w- just google that. I I mean,
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, for me though pro wrestling was built on like Dr. Death Steve Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh it was built on Kabuki, the you the warrior. It was built on the Rock and Roll Express mm-hmm. back in the I 80s. was more of an so Ultimate I'll,
0: Warrior fan myself.
1: Oh, okay. Well, yeah, that was like that was for me like late teens. Yep. So I was, I was already at that point realizing that it was what? fake.
0: So what? Yeah, it's I fa- know. I didn't even know that. Sorry, hey, it's man. still real to me. It's Sorry. still real to me. Um, Brad, yeah. thanks for the time. This has been good. This was yeah. fun, man. Thanks for, thanks for Absolutely converting me back it. to leader, leader influence to influence.
1: Listen, I hope, I hope in some way you've been sucked back into the vortex of, of believing that leadership actually is. Uh, okay, okay. Well,
0: my next sermon series is built to last. <laughs> Good to go. Well done This podcast was brought to you by our friends at Podbean Your all-in-one podcast hosting and publishing platform And now with their new mobile app, it gets even easier You can record and post directly from your phone So if you've got a message you want to get out If you've got teachings you want to share Go to podbean.com backslash newsworthy And they'll take good care of you Go check them out like I have, because they're great. Proud me. Thanks for checking out Newsworthy with Norsworthy. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you back here next time.